Hey there, Powder Keg fans. This is episode 111 of Powder Keg Igniting Startups, the show for entrepreneurs, leaders, and innovators building remarkable tech companies in areas decidedly outside of Silicon Valley. I'm your host, Matt Hunkler, and today uh, I'm really excited to bring you a very special conversation. This is from a live event that we did in Raleigh, North Carolina, just a couple of weeks ago. Um, in this short sort of highlight, our panelists are going to discuss uh, the sort of ins and outs of raising capital in Raleigh, Durham, and the surrounding Triangle area. But this is very applicable to other tech hubs outside of the Valley. Very uh, sage and wise advice from real people in the trenches. So you're going to get to hear from experienced tech leaders such as Sonia Ebron, CEO and co-founder of Courtroom of Five. Uh, and they were fresh off of a win at a pitch competition. Uh, Mike Schneider, who is the co-founder and CEO of First, raising over $10 million uh, there in in the Carolinas, doing some really excited things in the real estate space. Uh, other guests include uh, Brandon Martin, who's a principal at CLA. He came in from Charlotte, North Carolina. He talks to dozens, if not hundreds, of tech companies around the Carolinas area. So he brought some really good advice and perspective on the financial side. And then finally, Molly Demarest, who's the general manager of American Underground, which is sort of like the biggest organization for tech startups large scaling tech companies there in the Raleigh, Durham, Chapel Hill region, as they call it. Uh, they call it the triangle there in North Carolina. And uh, this is a really good conversation. Lots to learn, not just about that particular region, but specifically about how to grow and scale and raise the right capital if you're in a market that's not Silicon Valley or New York City. So I uh, hope you enjoy the episode and uh, feel free to drop a comment uh, as we go. Uh, I'm really excited to talk to all of you about what you're seeing from a fundraising standpoint. It is one of the hot topics in every community around the country. Um, we are seeing, this is the first time in history that tech outside of Silicon Valley uh, this year grew faster than tech inside of Silicon Valley from the standpoint of venture capital investment. So it's turning, but still 80, 75, 80% of venture capital goes to just three states, uh, California, Massachusetts, and New York, uh, Boston, uh, San Francisco area, New York City. Uh, how, how can we kind of help change the trajectory of that, and what are you seeing here on the ground? I'd like to start, Mike, with you because you've raised $10 million in, in capital. Um, you're on a tear right now. Um, but I, I imagine it wasn't as simple as just kind of putting the call out for dollars. No, it You'd wasn't. Be the first I, founder. I don't know that I can speak to the systemic things as well as you know some of the other people on the panel before this. I can just speak from my experience, um, and that is that you know I think there's great seed capital opportunities here in the Triangle. I think there's we've got that covered. We've been really focused there, and uh, I think the next phase is kind of the Series A, Series B, and there is zero of that in the Triangle. So, so uh, how, how did you figure out how to do that for first? Yeah, so from the time I told our board we were going to go raise our A round and we decided to go, uh, go out and do that, it was six months and six days when we closed our A round. Talked to 76 different fund partner meetings, 76, uh, you know, all across as close as Atlanta, but I, you know, I knew all the direct flights to San Francisco, I was on them many times, uh, multiple times a week sometimes. So San Francisco, New York, Chicago, we actually ended up raising from Chicago. So we had term sheets from San Francisco Fund and Chicago Fund and went with the Chicago group. So uh, I'd say, you know, Scott Wingo, who's mentioned on the panel before this, he talks a lot about the tweeners, you know, million to 80 million. And that's where we have a, a big funding gap. So get ready to get on a plane if you're raising venture funding in your A or B round. Did, what did you hear, uh, did you, or did you get any feedback from the VCs about being headquartered in the triangle, uh, pros, cons? Yeah, I'd say that of those that were interested in getting us a term sheet, 
almost a third of them said, when are you moving to San Francisco? Wow. And, and what did you and, say? And, and we're serious about that, right? I mean, it was a, hey, this is a great product company, all the talent, the ecosystem, we, we can, you know, we're excited to lead your A, Andrew B, you gotta move out here. Um, so we, we actually considered it, my wife and I considered it, we thought about moving, we, you know, small enough team at that point, um, but we really felt convicted that you could build a great team here. We already had a remote dev and data science team where we could hire the best and brightest, whether it was here in the Triangle or anywhere. Um, so we, we felt convicted that we could continue to build right here, and, uh, and so we found uh, investors that were excited to back that. That's wonderful. But I, I've wanted to, I've shared my list of funders that I talked to, and the, you know, it's, it's very painful to get all the way to that final conversation and then have them say, I'm not gonna get on a plane, um, and so you need to move. So, you know, I think that, you know, I'm happy to share that list for anyone who, who wants it that's excited to invest outside of San Francisco or New York. There you go. Uh, feel free to email me if you want to get connected to that list. Um, I, I, can, I can play uh, mediator if you, if you want. I know you're busy running a scale-up. Um, Sonia, I know you just came, came off the heels of winning a, a big competition. Congratulations. Um, can you talk a little bit about what it was like getting that startup off the ground and getting that initial funding? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, we're still a two-person uh, firm. We do a lot of uh, freelancers. We bootstrap. Um, we've raised about $100,000 so far. Friends and family money, uh, grant funded. That's how it starts. <laughs> that is how it starts. It, you know, for us, um, it's really just the, the commitment, the passion, the story, making sure that we're able to communicate that. Um, and really just working 20 hours a day. You know, that's what you have to do uh, when you decide to bootstrap for as long as you can. So it's been um, very gratifying. We're glad to be where we are, but it's, uh, as everybody knows, it's hard. It's hard work. Well, and you just want a pitch competition. Any, any pitch tips for our founders out here? <laughs> I talk to investors. Talk to, have as many conversations as you can. One of the beautiful things about uh, being here in the Triangle is that, as we've already heard, it's easy to get a meeting. Um, but the beautiful thing is that they also give you great feedback on your concept. And particularly when you're starting small, they have great ideas, things you just may never have thought about because you're too deep in the woods. So have a lot of conversations, try to get yourself on that investor vibe, and that really, you find, helps you improve your pitch. That's great advice. Molly, how about you? I, I know you work with, I don't know if it's 200 or over 300 or if there's an accurate count right now. But <laughs> Ever changing. <laughs> what are you seeing in American Undergrad? I know you've seen lots of companies start there, grow yeah. there, graduate them to bigger space. One thing that's been really surprising over the past couple years, but I, really this year, is how many companies are focused on revenue and traction more than I think I've, I mean, you're talking about bootstrapping like this desire to own their company. They want investment, but they want to have controlled investment when they're ready. Like on a level I've not seen before. Um, and it's actually directed some of our approach for how we're supporting teams. So um, I guess about a month ago, we shared with the community that we have a goal of connect, that all AU companies would connect to at least one customer, investor if they're raising, employee if they're hiring a resource through the AU community by September of next year. So all of our programmatic support, our partnership approach, everything is gonna be around that goal. Partly because you know, customers, that's, that's a funder. And we want you to own your company when you think about generational wealth. Um, and we want you to get the funding that you need to scale quickly. And so trying to connect them in all of the different ways that they need is definitely an approach. And then part of Black Founders Exchange this year, we did an investor day and we had 
over 20 investors from across the country, some were regional, some were national, that came in and we spent the morning giving them an overview on the history of entrepreneurship in Durham, Black Wall Street. Um, Black Wall Street Homecoming was happening that same week. Um, a r overview on the region. So it included like Idea Fund partners as well as Motley Fool or GrowthX that were coming in to understand how many flights are coming in and out of the day. Why is this a place that you should invest? Talk about the universities. What does the quality of life look like? Because if we can educate them and empower them with the stats on why they should fund a company here, then they might tell their other peers. And so that's another big um, approach that we're taking right now to educate more investors. We actually have a list of over 10,000 that we've been working with. Um, and it's been really interesting to see on a national level how they've started responding. And like we had one um, come a couple weeks ago and $27 million fund. And she was just like, I want to come meet with companies. And she met with eight companies on the spot. That's so, amazing. Yeah, there's That's definitely great. an appetite for it. And we just have to educate people. Well, what are the biggest stats that really make investors' eyes light up? I mean, there are investors in the room. Um, <laughs> I think I, I, other people have perspective. What I'm hearing is they want to know traction. They're investing in the individual. I think what you're seeing with the WeWork stuff and other things is making people a little question where their money's going in their approach to that. Um, but they're ultimately an investment is in your company is an investment in you. And the other thing when I think about our approach with AU is how can we help the founders we work with be the best, like the highest functioning individual, the healthiest individual, their companies will be a result of that, which will make them a better candidate for investment, which is also what we're hearing. Yeah, absolutely. Why, well, Brandon, you and I talk a lot about traction. We talk a lot about what kind of metrics companies need. You work with tons of companies out of the Charlotte office, but across the Carolinas. Um, what are, how are you coaching entrepreneurs to get their financials ready uh, besides pay their taxes, um, to, to get their financials ready for that next or first or next round of funding? You know, let me start off first by saying this is a really humbling space to be in. I feel very inadequate and small being uh, here with all you guys. So I want to acknowledge that on the uh, front end. So appreciate you having me here. You know, the, the biggest thing that um, I find to being the, the core of a conversation is that we can't be reactive, right? You got to be proactive. You know, you mentioned Brendan having that conversation with a with an attorney. Hopefully, you're not having that after you get some kind of notice that says you're deficient on something, right? You want to have those personal advisors, that board of advisors, whatever that is, that starts having that conversation early on, because all of this stuff, you know, if done in the right time in the right place, can be done in in a pace that's more of a, a marathon versus the disruptor. Because the last thing we want to do as a as a firm or a, a CPA is just to come in and just totally turn your world upside down so that you're doing the exact opposite of what it is that I'm trying to coach you against, which is, you know, being the weeds of the financials, right? So, you know, that to me is always the, the challenge, right, is to, yeah, we can help you with the detailed stuff, right, that most CPAs can do. But what we really want to do and what I really enjoy doing is helping you and getting a 30,000 foot look at what's going on with the business, telling you maybe here's a blind spot, have a candid conversation about something that maybe you are or aren't thinking about, and then connect you to other folks that, were, that are in the ecosystem, they might be able to help you with that. Some of those folks might be on my bench, some of those people might not, but at the end of the day, 
I just want to help you out. And I think most folks, uh, and we already talked about that, just about the ecosystem, and that's not isolated to the, the Triangle and Raleigh. It's all the way down to Charlotte. It is the Carolinas. It's a spirit that's here uh, that I, I can attest to going to other offices, even within our firm, going to other offices and other uh, regions, and just there's a spirit here of giving and leaning in and starting from how can I help you, and then the rest of it just naturally kind of takes care of itself. Yep. Mike, when you were raising that uh, growth round, what kind of metrics were investors honing in on most for you? Because at, at that point, you certainly weren't pitching on idea and founder pedigree. Right. Yeah, I think that, um, I think that it varies. Uh, I think one of the things that the, the Southeast funds will are all about sales and, and efficiency and growth, right? Uh, which is a very different conversation from the A rounds in San Francisco that are looking at uh, how, how well is the product doing? How are people engaging? How big can this be? Um, not assuming you've figured out your growth yet. So if you're, if you're in San Francisco talking about a $10 million A round, that is to build your growth engine, assuming you have the product. If you're looking for a $10 million round in the Southeast, you better have some great revenue. Um, and margins, and it's just, it's fascinating how different those conversations are. Um, and I think it's important that you know what kind of company you're building, and if you're, if you're building a product-driven company, you can start those conversations at your seed round, so that you've already built relationships and track with people. Yeah, I, I mean, I know when we raised our friends and family round, it was like, what's the model? How, how much money are you putting in, and how much is coming out? And uh, it's just a different, it's a totally different paradigm. Um, I'm glad we had that. Um, Molly, how about you? How are you coaching entrepreneurs on the ground uh, when they're looking at preparing to pitch to your network of 10,000 plus investors? Man, it, I think it varies on the entrepreneur. So part of what I think that we as an organization can do well is build a curated audience when a company's ready. And that's a big focus of ours even more recently is how do we engage with the audience so that the minute that you're ready to raise and when we know what your profile is, we can get you connected with that investor immediately. We're actually working with some local angel investors right now to do an understanding funding option, but also to create like a quarterly process for our founders to upload their pitch decks to then get it to the regional local investors and try to automate that a little bit more. And hopefully some of those um, processes will kind of spread the wealth a little bit. Um, I think one of the things that we can also do is make sure we're connecting people with the information that they need so that they're empowered to make the decisions. And so I don't, I don't ever want to be in the position where I'm like, you need to raise funding, this is exactly what you need to do. But if you can get connected to the people that you need to talk to so that you can understand what this, I mean, VC is like one form of investment, but you've got to understand how the asset class works to know if you actually want to take that on. And I think a lot of people assume that that's exactly what they want to do, but that's just because it's like VC talk in the community. And that may not be the path for them. That's really great advice. Sorry, uh, VCs, you have a role. I'm just saying. <laughs> it's not everything. <laughs> no, absolutely. You want to raise VC dollars for VC scale type of businesses. Um, Sorry, one more thing. Yeah. Um, board seats is something that we talked a lot about at Black Founders Exchange was with money can come a board seat, which can lose control. How do you negotiate through that to also maintain control where you can? And that's a whole other level of all the other things that come attached with funding that people don't often think about. Any advice on that front, Sonia, that you took away from those conversations? Oh, yeah, tons. Um, you know, at our stage, it's really impossible uh, to value the company. Particularly that we're a legal tech company, there's a lot of 
flux in the in the legal industry. We have no idea uh, what this company is going to how it's going to be valued in a very short period of time. So we're trying to avoid those valuation uh, conversations with convertible notes, convertible securities, and that sort of thing. And it's a difficult conversation to have here in the triangle. It's still fairly new. Um, so you know, in terms of having board seats and stuff, we're trying to again just avoid those conversations as a whole um, with some of the newer financing instruments. Yeah, that's a great opportunity for founders starting out uh, to raise that first round and just yeah. defer that conversation. Keep moving. Speed is everything, right? Yes. That's right. right. Absolutely. Um, any any closing advice, uh, Mike or Brandon, on uh, raising capital in the Carolinas that you learned either through the School of Hard Knocks or from advice that you got externally? I think it's tangential, but similar to what Chris Hive was saying, is that uh, this is becoming a great place to recruit to. And I'm really excited about that. When you do have something that you've proven has, has venture scale, there are a lot of people sitting in San Francisco with families crammed into an 800 square foot house that's, that they're paid $1.6 million for that would love to move here and have a great growth opportunity for their next career move as well as uh, a life and uh, real estate. So we've actually been very successful recruiting people that have you know, scaled companies before and I think that's a huge asset if you can bring those people on the team early because you've proven that you are venture backable and um, you know, we're, we're having great success with that. Absolutely. How about you, Brandon? Yeah, so maybe uh, two things. One that I continually hear out in the, in the market as you work with entrepreneurs is, is at some point they have this epiphany that their idea may not be as unique as they thought it was, so they're sitting there hiding it and not wanting to have a conversation with, with somebody that they think is going to go take their idea and go back to a lab and start coding it that evening or you know, whatever that is that they think they're going to do. So they miss the opportunity to connect with folks in their ecosystem that can help them take their game to the next level. So, so to get out there, to have those conversations, figure out what it is uh, that you're trying to do and allow folks to, to help you when they really are trying to do that would, would be a great thing for you to do. The second thing is as you kind of go through that process is figure out what you need to get to that next mark in your journey, whatever that may be. You have conversations with folks and they, they say they're bootstrapping this thing or they're going to go out and get some money and they're pre-designed you know, pre and they're saying this is what we think it's worth and we're going to go out there and get umpteen million dollars to do this. I said, well, at the end of the day, where does that leave you? You know, if you're going to go out and get all this money and you're pre-development, let alone pre-revenue, and you want all this money, where is that going to put you on the cap table? So taking a step back, figuring out what it is you're trying to do and say, okay, maybe all I need is this 250 or this three or 500 grand to get me to where it is I'm trying to go and then have another conversation it is always something that it is a pretty candid conversation, but to bring in, it's one thing to hear from me as a service provider, say, I am CPA guy, debits, credits, you probably know what you're talking about. But to go bring another player that's in the market and say, no, I learned that lesson myself and then not only have that person but maybe another one that, that helps bring that all together and makes it a, a lot more tangible and real is a good conversation. Those are two things that I, I think I continually hear that people need to be thinking about. It's great advice and I appreciate you all sharing your perspective on raising capital in the Carolinas and beyond. Um, so can we give it up for all of our speakers on the